So I think this is definitely something where societies that want to take kind of a bigger role in their field and be like, you know, visionary and bring an advanced field can, can shine a bit. Welcome to the Reproducibility Podcast, an open science podcast featuring early career researchers. I'm William Nyam, a postdoc from the University of Chicago, which is on the lands of the Kickapoo, Peoria, Miami, and Potawatomi nations, and I want to acknowledge um, the land. Today I'm joined by two um, friends and special guests, uh, and yeah, so it's um, let's, I suppose we're going to introduce them. Uh, Bjorn, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> I, would, I would love to introduce myself, William. <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Bjorn Jorgis. Um, I am a postdoc um, at the Center for Vision Research at York University. Not the one in the UK, the one in Canada, close to Toronto. Um, I study uh, the perception of motion, um, how we predict motion, and I'm also really into methods. Yeah. And I'm also joined by Sabrina. So if you'd like to introduce yourself to our audience. Yes. So thanks for having us here. So I'm Sabrina Hansmann-Roth. Um, I'm now an assistant professor at the University of Iceland, the Icelandic Vision Lab. Um, and I'm mainly working or interested in representations and working memory. I do a bit of ensemble perception, interested in um, temporal integration, things such as serial dependence. And yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so on our po podcast today, we've got a group of vision scientists. And what's fun about this is we, um, the three of us met basically through trying to... Uh, incorporate open science into vision science in a way. So this episode, we'll be talking about what role academic societies might have in the open science movement, and in particular, the ways um, open science can be promoted or integrated through the conference meetings. And yeah, that's this is basically how we met, right? Like a, maybe a few years now, um, Bjorn and Sabrina were on the, well, the student postgrad committee of the Vision Sciences Society conference meetings. Uh, and then I became involved when Bjorn and Sabrina organized, what was it, the pre-registration panel, I think that was. Uh, and I noticed, yeah, so uh, do you want to share a little bit uh, about being on that postgrad committee, like what your responsibilities were, just for a bit of context? Um, sure, I think I'll, maybe I'll go first because I was on the board first <laughs> and Sabrina came. <laughs> Um, so I was actually on like the first cohort of uh, kind of recruits for this advisory committee. Um, this was started by the board of directors um, of, the, of the Vision Science Society in 2021. I think 2021 was the first um, meeting. Yeah. And yeah, basically their idea was that they have obviously so many like early career researchers who are a part of the society that there should be some kind of um, like institutionalized way for these younger researchers to make their voice heard. Um, and so basically our, um, we're a group of six people um, and our, our, uh, our responsibility was kind of um, in broad strokes to um, represent early career researchers uh, in front of the board um, 
in terms of you know making sure that VSS as a society um, paid attention to the needs of our community, let's say, um, which could include some you know st structural changes, um, but has ended up uh, meaning that we organized a lot of lots of events um, at the following um, conferences, the following years, and that were geared specifically towards early career researchers. Yeah, very cool. And that's actually what we were all involved in recently in the most recent conference. We uh, organized a pre-data poster session, which I think was pretty successful. Like how did that idea came come about? Because I came into that a little bit late later. Uh, I think you might you might have started it beyond. Uh, yeah, where did the motivation and drive came come from? Um, the so the kind of the 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 procedure um, or like one of the reasons I wanted to be on this advisory committee um, was that there is in comparison to other areas of psychology there is. Um, little quantity of open science happening in vision science, which has a bunch of reasons. Some of them are legitimate, others are maybe not. Um, but, you know, every field can benefit from open science. Um, so I really wanted to, during my tenure on this board, I really wanted to um, kind of create an awareness um, for open science in my field. Um, and kind of the way I took was, or we took, um, I wasn't the only one, obviously, um, was kind of starting out by um, across several meetings, um, starting out more theoretical. We organized um, the first year, we organized a little um, kind of discussion of like very theoretical where certain aspects of open science make sense. Um, then being a bit more um, concrete last year um, where we organized this, uh, this workshop, Will, where we met you. Um, and now we really wanted to, or like my idea was to like get really into the nitty gritty, organize an event that is, you know, something that the, the society could um, really use to kind of implement some of the principles of open science. Um, and that was kind of my mo motivation behind doing um, this pre-data collection poster session that we ended up organizing. Yeah, it's super cool. And that was a really cool thing to be a part of. Uh, Sabrina, what? Yeah, what what what, what happened at our pre-data person session? What is a pre-data person session? Yeah, so the so the idea of this was basically, I mean, it, yeah, it came as Bjorn mentioned from this years before of starting very broad, then go towards like a pre-registration session that we did and where we met you, well, at least had more personal contact, um, and then the idea was the was the poster session that. Bjorn basically pitched to us since we were already working together on the poster committee was to have people simply present their next experiment or at least their next ideas before having any data collected. Um, so to avoid research waste, to get feedback early on, maybe there's some, there's some confounds in the design that you simply didn't think of, or maybe someone already tried something very similar and has some data in the drawer for something that maybe didn't work and you put it in the drawer and you let it sit there but you don't communicate it um, so if you present hey this is the idea this is what i want to do maybe i get some useful feedback before i start data collection before i even start piloting or something um, which will 
hopefully you know reduce research waste because you start with something that maybe isn't as flawed as some of my first pilots that I sometimes do. So that was basically the the idea of that um, that people yeah just present hey that's what I what I want to do um, and people just have opinions about that. It's like, hey, maybe have you looked into this and that paper or um, this and that study just came out that might be relevant and just have a friendly conversation over ideas. Right. And it just makes so much more sense, right? Like a lot of conferences have this requirement where posters need to be, you know, post data collection already. Like yes. you've already collected something or made some sort of empirical inference or something. But where feedback would be so much more useful, especially for early career researchers at these conferences, is before they've collected the data. Um, and it makes so much more sense in the sense that you can get feedback and actually change like your design or improve your design or address some things that you don't up like before you've invested all these resources collecting the data or um, after you've written it up and then submitted as manuscript and the review comes back and like, wait, haven't you thought about this? And, you know, you're now in this position where you've done all this data collection and you want some to output something, but like you've now got to address concerns that you, uh, you've got to do a whole bunch of things to try and address the reviewer's concerns again. So uh, it made so much more sense. Um, yeah. And it was pretty fun attend, uh, presenting because I also, as I organized, also had an idea in the poster and yeah, it was, I got a lot of good feedback. People were interested and like, like I got like inspired or excited because people were coming up and going, yeah, that's a good idea. Can't wait to see what's going to happen. Or yeah, that's like, it's a very clever design and so on and so forth. Or yeah, like I'm, I've tried something similar. So I'm curious what you'll find. Like those were the kind of conversations at the pre-data poster session of ours. And yeah, that was, it was really awesome. Uh, yeah. I think it's also very, um, I mean, especially for early career researchers, but also for people that are in labs that are rather small or you feel like, hey, I'm doing my PhD and everyone else in the lab is doing something completely different. So I'm maybe not getting that much feedback compared to people who are bigger universities, bigger labs and so on, where they have big lab meetings and they are provided with a lot of feedback. And also how I sometimes advertise it to people. Maybe you also find your future collaborator because you maybe you might be doing mm. something similar or you do have some similar ideas. Why not put like some, yeah, some people together and do stuff, work on projects together. That also reduces, you know, you don't have people doing stuff in parallel, not knowing of each other, but maybe pull the resources together and, and collaborate with some people like this might hopefully also happen to, yeah, to some of those attendees in the future. Yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense. Like, with the on that collaboration angle it also sort of beyond just like yeah it equalizes the landscape because um now if you find a collaborator instead of a competitor like rather than competing in parallel and trying to get to the finish line first with this project now you find a collaborator and you work on it together and can actually um make progress on whatever field because you both converge on an idea or a, a perspective and so like that just seems to equalize the field and make science a little bit more friendly, a little bit more productive, I would say, and sort of, you know, remove some of these weird um, incentives of publishing as fast as you can, for example. Yeah, it really, it really moves, um, or like the kind of the vibe behind the session is really more collaborative 
rather than this kind of advers adversarial view of science that, you know, we're trying to leave in the past with many of our open science uh, initiatives as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and we're hoping to run future sessions, uh, pre-data sessions in a way, try and integrate it into the, into the conference, right? <laughs> Finger, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, we're currently talking um, with all the kind of stakeholders at the society on the board of directors within like this group of like open science defenders in, in vision science um, to see how we proceed in, in future years. Um, because like while the session was definitely um, a great success, um, there were a couple of things that we can definitely improve um, in future years. For example, we didn't receive too many submissions of posters for probably a variety of reasons. Some people told us that they, um, they hadn't heard about it. It was the first year that we did this. Um, so I think it makes sense that people um, weren't necessarily super aware. Um, and then, you know, we, we're all scientists, we're all like teaching, we're doing so many things. So doing kind of a second poster, having a second presentation um, at a conference is just added work um, that, you know, you might not want to uh, commit to. Um, so we're currently working on, you know, um, ironing out some of these kinks to, um, in order for more people to uh, participate in this sort of event. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, fingers I guess crossed. That, yeah, that's a good good segue into um, our next segment, the main course of our, our podcast episode, which is talking about what the like, like what the roles of academic societies and conferences may be in the open science movement, and sort of getting your both of your perspectives in uh, how that might work or how what your drive behind that is, because as, you know, both of you have been part of the push for open science at, through conferences and through vision, through the vision science society and stuff too. So yeah, like what, I guess my question is like, do you think the academic societies have like a greater role to play in like trying to like integrate open science across the field and try and support, to support scientists in this way? Like what, what? What is your perspective behind that? Because I don't think academic societies are thought of as the first place to try and like initiate these kind of reforms that like people think about in the lab or in a department in the department of an institution, but not necessarily the societies or the conference. So, yeah, what's like what? What's kind of your kind of perspective on that? That's it's an ex that's an excellent question. Okay, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, with with very vague thoughts. Um, just the thing with um, I feel with with academic science society, sciences societies, um, is that I feel often they struggle to kind of find their role um in the academic world beyond organizing their conferences. So I remember. Um, that this has been a discussion for VSS as well, and be like, okay, how do we make the society helpful um, or like relevant throughout the year um, beyond just organizing this this one week of of the meeting per year? Um, so I think this is definitely something where societies that want to take kind of a bigger role in their field and be like, you know, visionary and bring and advance the field um can can shine a bit because they do have you know they occupy a big 
Um, they're often very prestigious. They occupy um, a lot of like mind space in their members, um, kind of mental landscape. Um, so if a society is really like, okay, we're going to push for um, science reform in our field, then I feel like that could um, reach a lot of members. And maybe and maybe with like their the history of these societies, maybe um, they also have a special role in reaching more senior academics who are often a bit more resistant to um, kind of these reform efforts. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is, as I said, vague no, thoughts. Maybe Sabrina no, has something sounds... more concrete. <laughs> no, I think I'm, I'm very similar with that being kind of vague. I think they should take up a role beyond the pure organization of things. But I also sometimes struggle with like thinking how can they do that because that's I mean I think it is to some extent what we try to do with the SPC right that was the first attempt to go a bit beyond we meet we have the posters we have the talk sessions but on top of that we have other events that are not directly on the science per se but the everything that surrounds the science how we publish how we do things, how we teach, how we try to be more inclusive and not the, the, the science per se. I talk about I, this was my last study or this is what, what we found. Um, so I think they should take up that role. Um, but I do agree that or I, the idea of beyond that there is sometimes this trying to reach the more senior academics, especially when it comes to open science. And I don't want to put them all in the same box and say they are reluctant to move towards that. Um, but still there might there is sometimes this this gap when you also look at the events that are organized who visits them like who was at our pre data session um, it looked more like okay it was a lot of PhDs and postdocs and their colleagues and friends and so on um, so I hope that repeatedly bringing those things to the board as well we are not on the SPC anymore but as the SPC alumni still trying to do something um, having that repeatedly on their table might actually on the long run kind of um, yeah put some changes forward and then when it when it goes back from from that it's also maybe this also pushes forward then or this goes back to, to universities like hiring processes like open science and all these initiatives that you do they take up some time but how much are they valued when deciding whether you get tenured so maybe also there's a way of if this um, if the, the societies um, are more and more involved in those activities maybe this also pushes back to the universities and how things work there hopefully but maybe this is just a overly optimistic dream um i don't know yeah i think that's um i think that's a that's a really good point there um because like on a bit of, of a of a more abstract level i'm always a big fan of you know trying to solve um structural problems not on the individual level but like on a structural institutional level um and i think the thing is the thing with science is that the institutional level is is very there's not like one kind of political organizing structure. There is like several um, kind of structures that kind of coexist on the same level, on different levels, hierarchical or not. Um, so I guess whatever we can, whatever and we can do on any of these 
um, levels of organization of our our structure. Um, this is really just rephrasing what, what Sabrina said, but whatever we can change <laughs> on one of these levels um, might then have these ripple effects on other levels as well. So yeah. um, we should really try to push for what we want, what we think should be science reform on all the levels that we can, um, that we can reach or that we can use. Yeah, um, I, like it makes sense that changes can feed forward into each other, like procedural changes can feed forward into structural changes, can feed forward to changes in the community. Um, the framework for open and reusable research training just released a really good paper about saying how um, the credibility revolution has uh, created positive change. I think the first author is Max Kornbacher, so that's a great paper. But it's exactly reiterating your point that like changes at different levels can feed forward to the other levels, and you can start to get momentum. And that is also my theory of change for the open science movement, like. It's not going to be from the inside out, if that makes sense. It's got to, we need change happening in parallel across all the different levels to try and like build this movement, right? To, to, to energize this change. And yeah, and uh, another point is that, yeah, as you said, institutions like departments as a setup are usually pretty siloed. So like, in fact, I think uh, that's, so universities when they're hiring generally don't hire people from the same subdomain, if that makes sense. Like you don't want people too close in expertise because you've got to cover the courses that you teach um, to your graduates or your undergraduates. So you need a breadth of course. So generally hiring doesn't happen where you really focusing in on a specific topic, let's say, generally. Um, so now you've got these silos, right, in within your department. And so your your possibility for changes have to cover many, many domains and many, many types of research and many different like levels of people. So it's a bit harder to get those um, reforms to really stick. But conference, uh, academic societies and, and the, their relevant associated conferences, you, you've, you've controlled for that variance. <laughs> you've, you've controlled for that covariate. You've got um, everyone who's within a very similar field. Like, sure, there are subdomains within that field, but everyone's pretty, like, close together, right? So now you can initiate reforms that can be a bit more direct and specific to those subdomains, which you might not be able to do at an institutional level or at a, you know, let's say, um, nation state level with grants or with whatnot. Um, so yeah, I've always... Just a quick interjection. Um, I think that's, that's really important because different um, areas or sub areas in science might need or might benefit more or less from certain practices in open science or might have different problems or like um, barriers to, uh, for example, rec replicability um, and some such. Yeah. Um, I think you mentioned like vision science didn't really have this open science bent for quite a while. And I think there were very many factors in that that, that led to that. Um, which leads to, um, you know, unique issues or unique situations for our field that require probably unique solutions, not blanket solutions from, from elsewhere. Uh, so, for example, you know, vision scientists, you know, let's say psychophysics, like we collect, we usually deal with huge effect sizes and we usually deal with, um, so like generally it's going to be like five subjects for, I don't know, hundred thousands of trials. <laughs> um, and then so there's less of a, like need 
people are like, yeah, you can just like see the effect. But when people sort of, it, this is sort of a broad generalization, but with those conditions, it's very easy to like not be rigorous about certain things, like not be rigorous about the transparency or the um, of the data or the methods. So it's very hard to replicate the experiment just from the paper, let's say, or yeah, like hidden expertise about certain things that aren't revealed so that when people go to the paper or hear about it, they're just unclear about what's going on and they just miss the context and the metadata, let's say, around around the experiment and things like that. So that like it's one example of a unique situation for vision. Maybe not so unique, but like like very common in the vision science world that maybe we could try and address. Like saying, hey, let's be a bit more collaborative with our methods and our equipment. Let's try and be a bit more transparent with our reporting and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. How, how, how do you think conferences might be a good venue for that? Because most of our, or our, I say our, <laughs> um, your uh, initiatives have been um, at across multiple conferences, right? So we tried, what was the first one was like an open science panel. And then the second one was um, uh, pre-registration and like a Q&A, a Q&A panel on pre-registration. And then like a sort of tutorial on that. I think, and then we had this pre-data poster session. Um, yeah, what is, like, do you see conferences as a really good venue for these kind of pushing these kind of initiatives out? I mean, I definitely think so, because that's the moment when we are all together, right? That's when we have this intensive week um, together. Um, so I think it is definitely the, I mean, one of the places, there are many places. I mean, there are also many initiatives within universities on open science and so on. Um, but I think at the conferences, you really reach a quite diverse community from from very different places. So I definitely think, where else? I mean, we talked about the these changes, like where do you start at the university, on the university level, the lab level, the department level, or at these conferences. So it's definitely one of the the, the, the locations I think where we have to, to start um, and so with these different events that you just mentioned the more global symposium that Bjorn was involved in and the pre-registration session we did and the poster and so on that's one aspect and I do feel like currently at least from the discussion we have about continuing this there seems to be like a momentum like I, I really feel like we shouldn't stop now and this is really the feeling I had immediately after the poster session I was like, okay, we have to do this again. This is the right moment and we shouldn't stop if we want to push further. Um, so, no, I think we the, the conference is one of the, yeah, one of the right um, places. But now what I want to see is, okay, it's, it's, these events are important, but now I think the next step is to get this into the conference. Like I remember that we were discussing these open science badges. I'm not sure how well this... and will work and so on but now i would actually like to see a more long-term change at conferences such as for example this long-term implementation of this pre-data um, satellite let it not be a satellite then but an actual event at the conference but now i would actually like to see the long-term changes of those events that we started having like we you know we try to start a discussion at least at this conference now the next step is how like I want to see this now being something regular, um, but I'm right. also still wondering what is the best way to 
to go. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I I totally get that, and I think like taking it back to a a, a point from before, we were talking about how. Like sometimes the senior academics or the board are maybe like a bit hesitant for change, and like this change in the conference came from early career researchers when we we were all postdocs. So like, um, it's one part one part energy to push for the change, but I think another part openness to change and openness to receive the changes. And I think with time, the uh, the people in who are governing the the conference or the society kind of if they're open to those ideas, they receive them, and it gives us a, gives us a real opportunity to implement changes that are sustainable and um, you know uh, accessible for the rest of the conference. And I think that's really exciting. Um, so, like for example, yeah, like now, now thanks to your work, trying to pro advocate and promote open science at the Vision Science conferences, there's now an eye towards trying to see if we can, you know promote it in the actual conference itself through things like open science badges or relaxing certain policies like having the data, have it, having to have that collected before the poster is presented or even shifting the sort of um, makeup of the conference in terms of its symposiums or its satellites. Um, like another really cool satellite that's sort of now more permanent at the Vision Sciences um, conference meeting is the uh, philosophy of vision. Um, satellite, which is a really, really interesting and important part of um, science, I think, which is like, you know, philosophy and theory, thinking about theory and sort of getting, becoming eye to eye on our um, way of progress or way, way of scientific progress and, you know, definitions and like inference and things like that. Like, it's all really important. So hopefully um, with time, the conferences do sort of take those, ch those changes on. Um, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to keep uh, <laughs> um, banging on about senior academics, but I, I think one thing that helped our pre-data poster session was we did have a few um, sort of let's say notable PIs in our field kind of come by and sort of like be part of the feedback and give support and you know ask their students to present at the pre-data poster. So that like I think that's really important. So it's also it's not just having energy behind the initiative and the idea and the creativity to try and make these reforms. But also people don't, like you don't have to do, be part of those two things, but you do have to be open and willing to support these things. And I think there were this, in part of the momentum that you're talking about, people are starting to want to like be part of it or get involved or like just popping their head and curious and seeing what's, a, what's it about. I think that there was a real momentum there at our recent try with the pre-data post session. Um, yeah, and yeah, speaking about um, senior academics, I think you have to, we have to, we have to like really um, say that in this case, I feel we had a lot of support from the senior academics, like in the, in the VSS leadership, um, especially like, I don't want to, I mean, um, Jody Callum, who was the, the president, the director um, or the president of VSS last year. She was very interested in making this happen. She was like, from the beginning, she was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is a pilot. Maybe this is something we want to integrate in, um, in, uh, kind of the, the, the main conference or like make it part of the, the society's fabric. Um, so what I, um, the point I'm trying to make here is that often kind of this 
inertia from senior academics, from kind of people in this in, the, in these leader leadership positions, is really not an opposition to reform, um, but often it's just they're way too fucking busy. I don't know if I can swear, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but these people are uh, they're. Uh, a lot of them are, are juggling so many responsibilities, teaching um, their students and, and so on, um, that I feel many times they appreciate a lot when you come to them with an idea and you're like, okay, I want to do this. I have this idea. Here's like a little little abstract. This is what I want to do. This is why I think it um, it's important. I don't really need any like work from you. Um, I'm willing to put in the hours myself. I'm going to do the organizing myself. Um, I just need kind of your your green light. I just need your kind of institutional support um, to make this happen. And I feel um, for a lot of like people in these leadership positions, um, they're really like receptive to that because they they know sort of that you know some reform is needed. We need more open science stuff, but they just don't have the. Um, it's maybe not on their radar, um, and also they just don't have the the time or like the. Um, yeah, the, the space, the capacity. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, but once they give the green light, they sort of, a, they add credibility to whatever we're trying, which is a kind of a nice thing to have. Because I think with initiatives, like you could imagine a world where they weren't green lighting you for these changes or these initiatives. And so now it's more, even if it's like, I don't think it's a bad idea but that's there's still a resistance there if they're not really like adding credibility and not like green lighting it uh and that could be a bit of a barrier to trying to get things but here we've experienced that yeah senior academics um have been sort of receptive and being like yeah this is a great idea and like being adding to the field rather than like sort of just standing back um which is great uh do you yeah what do you do you think there should be uh, one thing I worry about a lot is that, um, actually, there's, there's two things I'm worrying about right now. One is that uh, often early career researchers are doing a lot of the like groundwork for this kind of stuff, and I worry about that. And then I think the second thing I'm worried about, which can possibly offset that, is being like giving them more recognition or uh, giving them some sort of reward for doing this kind of work which has traditionally not been recognized, at least in terms of the more meaningful things like, let's say, research assessment, assessment for jobs, awards, grants, so so, so forth. Yeah, do you both have any perspectives behind behind that? Um, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. And this is also what I said before, you know, the, you, you do all of that. And then hopefully this ripples back to the university and how they hire and how they yeah i wouldn't say judge you um but this is basically maybe also part of your work it's not just the the research and the teaching and the admin that you do by admin i mean like department meetings i don't mean these these um initiatives such as you know um these open science initiatives and things that you organize at conferences but if that would get recognized then well then then the, all the the time and the investment that especially the early career researchers put into that 
yeah gives them at least some reward and it's not something you do outside of your work or it's like okay if I do that if I organize this and that it takes that much time so I have to put my writing papers onto the weekend in order to get everything done so that this needs to be also then a change not just in the societies at conferences but also um, within the the institutions like universities and so on mm. um, yeah I hope that happens I mean you see it a bit when I was applying for jobs I see a bit of that um, at least in, I didn't apply everywhere in the world so I can only speak for the countries that I have applied to but I did see it sometimes that people were asking about that or there was something in the application where I should speak a bit more about my yeah initiatives and 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 things I do outside this is my research and this is what what I can teach um so it's happening a bit but obviously it, those things are very slow um but I also know that here like for me for example in order to get tenure it's, it, it's the research I get evaluated every year with points and I do get points on outreach and all of that but only the points on research are the ones that well mm. that count in, in four years um so yeah that's that's the next big challenge i guess um to have yeah, also changes there I, because it motivates people then to do something also um because you feel you get at least a bit of reward or acknowledgement for for those things i mean it is a lot of fun like i met a lot of people and it is super interesting and if you're into that you you yeah you also do it without the acknowledgement but it i think it would also boost um those initiatives just as a little little hopeful anecdote, um, I recently applied for a scholarship in Spain, um, and the the way the application was structured is kind of that the main part was, um, okay, pick ten things you've done in your career um, that like highlight you as a scientist, and that could be anything from like you know um, specifically academic projects over um, courses that you've developed or taught to kind of community stuff or like um, organizing things like, for example, these um, these open science initiatives. So I guess change is happening slowly in some places. Yeah, that's exciting. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. This is kind of something I've observed too, that there's been a bit more like in applications, like a bit more of an ask for like, what do you think about open science or maybe not even just open science just like improving science or structures and like things beyond just research um to put it in a more broader category i would call it like service like i think traditionally in the field people have thought of service as like peer review or um being on the editorial board of a journal but not really thinking about the like community building aspects or the like you know push to improve science in different ways, these kind of initiatives and that kind of that kind of work, that kind of um, impactful work, right? Um, another benefit to that is like people who create, you know, open databases or organize conferences, right? Um, like like yourselves. Like that's I would say a big service to the community that the science wouldn't be able to function without, right? Um, which yeah, I mean, this is a good segue to the next sort of segment, which is what we call the delectable desserts, which is the idea that um, uh, we try and reveal a hidden curriculum item or a tip for our early career audience. And I think the perfect one for today, as we've already kind of circled around, is getting involved, like getting involved in conference organization. 
um, or getting involved in societies, especially as an early career researcher. Uh, so, Rain, I think you, you you mentioned you meeting the people, um, like who are interested in the same things you were. Is that kind of what motivated you to get into um, organizing, like being part of the organizing committee? Um, so I was. What was that? The second cohort, right? You 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 had started beyond a year before me. Um, and then I, I remember it was just advertised and then I looked a bit at what they were currently doing. Um, so it was just like a gut feeling. I want to be involved in that. Um, there are things that I would like to, changes I'd like to see at conferences, but it doesn't help complaining about it. It's like, oh, I don't like that. I, I, but then do something like it, it is. That's just what it is. Um, so I just applied and. I didn't regret it. I really enjoyed it. I was even sad that I had to leave a year earlier <laughs> than initially planned because I wanted to stay on it. Um, but it did. It it was also kind of interesting to see how conferences work, like in the background. Like you normally attend, you you hang your poster, you meet people, but the entire organization. I mean, sometimes also like the 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 struggles and so on. I think it is very interesting to see that a bit. And if you if you want to see changes, then then be a part of that. And it was a fairly easy application. Like it it wasn't that difficult to do. And it's just uh, I yeah. And I did meet a lot of people. I got ideas. And even when so when I was when we were doing the pre registration session, I I still learned a lot. I was like, oh, I didn't think I could do that. I thought, oh, experiment one wasn't pre registered, so I can't do it with experiment two. Like all these like simple things that. I sometimes also forget or wasn't aware of. So I, I did learn a lot and I also felt like, okay, I, I want to be part of some sort of change early on as an early career researcher. Um, and I did really, really enjoy it. And now it's actually because Bjorn and me are both not on the SPC anymore, but we, we keep on doing stuff. So it feels like the alumni are now moving over to <laughs> kind of like continuing outside the SPC with their efforts. And that is definitely something really nice. I, I met you all. Um, that was great. <laughs> Looking forward to the next time. Um, but yeah, no, I think it is, if you, if you are interested in that, then, then get involved. Um, it's, it's, it's not going to hurt. It's, it's going to be awesome. Oh, I'm sure. And and getting involved is probably easier than you think. Like as I said yes. earlier, people who want to do stuff are usually appreciated and are supported in general. So if you, if you're like, okay, I want to get involved, I want to make this conference or whatever better in this sense, then reach out to someone in charge. Um, and more likely than not, I think they'll be receptive. It be it like in a in a more like institutional way as we were in the on the um, on the student postdoc committee, or just informally. Yeah, it all sometimes all it takes is an ask, right? You just ask someone or something. Like maybe at your society or your conferences, there's no postgrad or early career support yet or like committee. But maybe if you ask, there's going to be an eye to creating one. Or if you want to be more specific about pushing for something, then simply ask. Ask the governing board, the board of directors of your conference uh, or your society, see if there's that change can be made. Um, and yeah, and that doing that is pretty rewarding. It, uh, it's been rewarding for all of us, I guess, with this kind of advocating um, uh, work. And then also, I guess, going back to the, if we see 
these kind of efforts being more recognized and more valued, this could really help you in the long term in like, you know, talking about your service to the community and things like that. Does that, does that sound great to you all? Is that, does that sound right? <laughs> it, it sounds right. It sounds right for sure. And it's not only like this um, kind of CV uh, wise recognition. Um, it's also that just by organizing things, you meet so many people. So um, especially for people like I, I, for example, I just don't like talking to random people that I don't know. I'm like, okay, this is going to be boring. Um, <laughs> just going to jump at this person and be like, hey, I'm, I'm Bjorn, let's talk. Um, no, but like if you, if you organize something with, you or, usually organize it with a group of people and more people are involved. Um, so if you are struggling with networking, this is a really, a really good like side effect of organizing something that you just meet people and then, you know, you have a foot in, you know, this person is reasonable. If I, if I see them on the, on the hallway, I will stop to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, that was great. This is, I hope, I hope our, our audience got a lot about that. Um, so the message is, you know, open science changes are happening. There is momentum, get involved. Uh, you'll get a lot out of it. Um, people are receptive. Yeah. Get, get involved, get amongst it. Uh, so I guess, um, let the audience know where they can follow you or find you if they're interested in chatting with you more. Um, Bjorn, where can, where can people find you, follow you? Um, my, my answer would have been, um, Twitter. Um, it, it still is Twitter, but who knows for how long yeah. Twitter still exists. So my, my Twitter handle is, um, B underscore, uh, Jorges, J-O-R-G-E-S. Um, and I guess that's the, the, the main way to get in touch with me. Yeah, and Sabrina? Yeah, same for me. And now I'm wondering, what is my Twitter handle? I think it is S Hansman underscore Ross, R-O-T-H. I also, if you just Google my name, you also find my website and there's like my email address. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Bye, everyone. Thank you.